This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Comics. Who are you? I'm Batman. TV and movies. Wrestling. Uh, Music. We are just getting started! Finally, a podcast about things you actually care about, hosted by a couple of guys who actually care about those things, too. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Maybe a little too much. Yes. That's awesome. The talented one, Chris Machete. That no-talent ass clown became famous. And Brenton, you know, that guy from your other favorite podcast. I liked it. I was good at it. So grab onto the handrail and don't let go. Get ready! There's a little boy caught the escalator! This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Woo! Here's CM and BD. Hey, how's it going? Are we here? Are we live? We're good? Check one, two. Hey, how's it going? My name is Chris. Hello, planet Earth. Hello, friends and true believers. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for taking general interest in what this dude has to say. My co-host, Brent, is not going to be here today. He is uh, off on a, a spiritual journey in the mountains of Tibet. He's searching for this butterfly, and he's going to find it and eat it. So we'll find out what the details are of that next week when he does come back. We're doing our cavalcade of toys, I believe. Our, our season ender came from the basement. And our it's, our, it's our, not only our season finale. Yeah, season finale. No, it's our season finale. No, series finale, sorry. It's our series finale next week because we are switching over to what you are seeing right now. So this is basically the pilot for live from Machete Studios, not live for Machete Studios as it says, um, but live from Machete Studios. I know it says live for Machete Studios, but that's not what it is. It's live from Machete Studios. I'm just teasing my producer here. She's right here beside me trying to teach me how to do this stuff. And thank you, Lonnie, for helping me and teaching me how to do stuff. I think she's fixing the lingo right now. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in on whatever platform you are. I'm gonna set my drink here. The weather outside is frightening. No, it's not that bad. It should be colder and there should be snow. Why do I say there should be? Because I want to build a nice rink in my backyard. I was disgusted. That's what I'd like to do. So I don't know if you're like me. In the mornings, you take your phone and you go through the current events. Wow, what am I doing in the morning? And mine's narrowed down to a lot of pop, pop culture stuff. I don't obviously see a lot of politics on there. I see a little bit. Mostly I don't see uh, any American politics on my newsfeed in the morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what I do see from Marvel Studios is like, you'll see a, a trailer for a movie, you know, and you click on it, it's like, wow, this is great. And you're watching the trailer. And released 2028 or something ridiculous like that, right? Oh my gosh. Like, really, Marvel? You've really got to do that. For, you know, again, I'm one of the biggest Marvel comic fans in the world. Stress the world Marvel comics. I, I love the movies as well, but I'm starting to find that they are on the same mediocre storyline uh, railway to kind of casualness to see. Well, the new Deadpool movie should be great because we're going to bend around, you know, bend the rules a bit. 
that we seem to be harnessed by with the Marvel movies. So, you know, it, so watching them in the morning in my, my news feeds, I see a lot of that get stoked and see what's going to be released. And the thing is, is that if, if you're saying it's going to be released two years from now, we'll say, you know, there's going to be problems before that and it's not going to be released at the time they're stating. It never happens. Come on. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen that way. So that, that's one thing that I see in my morning news. Um, not much else really to talk about these days. I'm keeping it casual here. You can see I've got some new paintings uh, behind me there that are going to be up for sale at some point. And again, this is our pilot episode of Live From Machete Studios. We got it? We got it. All right. So let's just dive in. There's not much current events I can talk to with you right now because I'm not a political guy. So we're going to jump right into Nerds on Ice. So congratulations to my boy, Mitch Marner. I know I hack on Mitch a lot, or I have hacked on him in the past seasons. Number 16, stole it from Darcy Tucker. Kind of funny. Uh, but I think Mitch, in my opinion, took the summer really seriously. And he did a lot of working out. He seems a lot stronger. He seems a lot more sure of himself. I think maybe he did a mental workout as well. But we got some shining guys on the Leafs. You know, you got Marner there, or you got... Uh, we got Marner breaking Leaf records as he, uh, what's his 19th game? Yeah, 19 game point streak, which is a record for uh, Leaf players. All time Leaf players, which is great for him. Wow, it's amazing. So now it's kind of it's kind of interesting to watch the Leafs play because you're wondering, is Mitch going to score? Is, is he going to score or when is he going to score? And the one game I remember was an overtime and he just, or no, it wasn't overtime, it was an empty net. The third period, and he just managed to sweep that in at the end, right? Yeah. Which is really really cool. So we have congratulations to Mitch Marner. What's up? Saying hi. Saying hi. Hello, hello. There's, hi, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. How's it going? We got to get you on the new format here. You and I can talk about Simpsons or something really rad. I, I don't think I've finished talking about the Simpsons. Like I need to do that again to, oh, a, to a fuller extent. Go down the rabbit hole. Because one of my friends <laughs> just texted me today, and he doesn't watch our podcast. And maybe he does. Maybe he does. He doesn't usually anyway. But. Today I just watched the Simpsons episode of the Trios of Horrors I haven't seen. So maybe, you know, maybe that's what triggered on as we watched the Simpsons episode. But I think I got to do some more of that. It would be very, very cool. I'm always up for more Simpsons chats. You know? But to finish off with my little, it's uh, the Nerd Ice show here. The Leafs have some stars on there. We got Mitch Marner breaking Leaf records. We got Austin Matthews getting trophies and breaking major NHL scoring records for the year. Uh, they're playing really well. Their cover of Matthews, though, the secret on Matthews is out. Marner seems to be able to switch through. I think it was a brilliant move on the coach to finally put him with Tavares and get him off of Matthews so that they can share the wealth a little bit there. And I think it's really showing. And they're both playing fantastic. Elander's playing well as well. As well. Mm -hmm. As well as well he is. So go Leafs go. We're doing fantastic in Leafland. Um, I'm proud to be a Leaf fan again. <laughs> I'm, I've always, I'm always a Leaf fan. I had uh, doubts about their coaching, as I mentioned in the past two. They're looking like they're going, to, they're going to pull together. But again, congratulations to our boy, Mitch Marner. Go Leafs, go. He is a, he's from Toronto, I believe. Somewhere around Toronto area, I believe. Mark, my believe. Um, home, hometown boy. Way to go. And my other thing is to say is to just, if you're listening, um, keep Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons. I'm thinking of wrestlers. Keep Wayne Simmons in, in, in the lineup, man. Give that guy some legs. Let him get in there a little bit. I feel bad for him. You know, you, they, they put... Wayne Simmons in when they need him to fight somebody or if somebody needs to be beat up. And the guy doesn't have his legs when he's in there because he's sitting for like six games and he's expected to win their fight. Come on. Come on. 
keep the same three guys on the back end there. You guys are doing great though. Good job, Leafs. One more other thing I got to add is that their defensive core is seriously lacking. They don't got Morgan Riley in there. You know, they don't have uh, Jordy Ben, who's playing fantastic. I was a big advocate of them getting Jordy Ben in there, which was great. So the decors, a bunch of young dudes in there too. So way to go. Go Leafs, go. I'm, I'm enjoying the hockey games. I don't get to see a whole lot of them because I don't have that full crazy subscription to Sportsnet. You know, you want to watch a hockey game, you also got to subscribe to bowling and subscribe to tennis and, you know, flam flaming archery on cars. <laughs> like, what? Come on, I just want to watch the Leaf games. Back when, I, back when I was young, you could just get the Leaf channel. <laughs> and, uh, you could just watch the Leaf games, basically. You knew you could get all the Leaf games, which was great. I miss those days. <laughs> I miss those days a lot. What about Richard Simmons? Yeah. <laughs> we said that. That was funny. Don't Stone, don't see which good one. Yeah, Richard Simmons. <laughs> Richard Simmons is a funny one, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're uh, we're done with our talk about hockey. Okay, They're... let me show this then. Okay. We're going to show the countdown to when my head's going to explode. <laughs> Sorry, it was the wrong one. Like scanners, man. I saw his head explode. So what are you, sorry, what are you doing next? So now we're gonna do a came from the basement because I want to do a little bit of toy stuff, right? Yes, and we don't have a graphic. And we don't have a graphic for this one. No graphic for this yet, but each week I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about toys a little bit, which is another collector side of me. I love the toys. There's toys all over the place beside me. There's some Funkos beside me here. Oh, got Gene Sims see. beside me here. Hmm? Chill. There you go. There's always toys floating Anybody around. Anybody know who this is? I do, but I'm not gonna ruin it. It's the Funko version of it. You got to back yeah. it up a bit. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I like this one. This I, this was this was cool. I like this one as well. Oh yeah, that's the the W Wolfgang or what were they called again? What were they called? Scratching the oh, W's. Man. Anybody who watched Walking Dead? Remember, remember the W's with the W's they in their heads. They carved the W's in their head and they broke into Alexandria. Wasn't the Warriors come out and play? No. Wasn't those? No, I know. Anyway, so we got lots of toys around here. So what I want to do today is I want to do just a little preview that's going to go into our next episode when Brad will be back after he eats that butterfly, and <laughs> we're going to dive into toys that came from the basement. So what I want to touch on today, um, again, I'm an old dude. I had a great time in the '80s. So what I want to talk about here is just a few toys that came out in the 80s around Christmas time, since we're in December now, so I'm allowed to talk about Christmas. Um, I'm kind of stoked about Christmas this year. I'm, I haven't been in the past, but we're in December. So these are three toys from the 80s that people went absolutely nuts for, okay, around Christmas time. Now, the first one I want to talk about is one that I went extremely nuts for around Christmas time, and I was actually thankful enough to get it. Thank you, Mom and Dad. You guys are watching. Yeah, you got me this toy, and I still have it. I uh, don't have it all the pieces to it, but I am talking about... Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon. And I don't, yeah, we have a picture of it right there. I can oh, see it there. Yeah, okay. there it is there. So there cool. it is there and in the box, which is great. Look at that with the action figures with it. Now this came out in 1979. If, uh, if it's vintage now. Well, yeah, it is vintage now, but the, the other, it was 1979 it came out. It's by Hasbro, of course. I have more info on here on one of my pages, but you guys just look at that wicked box. And if you are around my age, you can just be like, wow, look at that. This is just amazing. This is such a great toy. Uh, so we've got the Warren, the Constant, the Damage Patch, the Oh yeah, 1979 from Kenner Twice, as we all know. Okay, so this was a toy that all kids freaked out about. You know, it was, uh, it was just one of those toys that if you could 
have the Millennium Falcon in your house. He was big kid, too. And it, it's it's a very large toy. We should have brought up the one I have from, from the basement. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll bring that one up from the basement the next time that we do our show. Next week I'll bring that up. Millennium Falcon there. I uh, found that to be one of the toys all me and my friends were freaking out about. It was the Millennium Falcon around Christmas time. Man, are you getting the Millennium Falcon? A couple of my friends got it. I was one of the lucky ones as well. So that was one toy that the kids around my age, the guys were freaking out about, was the Millennium Falcon. Now this one was, was for the girls. Back in my day, all the girls wanted. I'm sure there was probably some boys that wanted it too, and that's fine. Uh, was the Cabbage Patch dolls. Wow, people were fighting over these yes. in, the, in the stores and the malls. My mom's fought. Oh my gosh, my wife's mom. Said. Okay, so go ahead. Do you want to tell a story about what your mom did? Yeah, but my mom was at Sears. Okay. And there was a big sale on them and she actually was fighting for one. Mm -hmm. So she ended up winning. And it actually looks like this one almost. Right. So it had like a, a beige kind of hair. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they wrapped it up and sent it to my to the front door, but said not to open for Christmas. Oh. It made it look like a delivery. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. And you get little adoption papers with it, right? Well, that was the thing about the toys. It was uh, 1982, and it was from Coleco, which is, which is a pretty uh, pretty rad thought, or pretty rad fact. When I asked my wife who she thought they were was the designer of the toy company, she the last one she would have thought of was Coleco, because Coleco was making uh, video games and stuff, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Where the handheld games and the Coleco Vision came out. So Coleco was the one that made the Cabbage Patch dolls. I found that as an interesting fun fact as well, as Shilda would say. Yes. I thought that was a very fun fact. It was made by <laughs> Coleco Vision. And it was it was inspired by a gentleman named Xavier Roberts. So Xavier Roberts, way to go, buddy. These are miniatures he made first, and they made him into the bigger size doll. And apparently, like anything that's really rad off the beginning, they don't make enough of it. Yeah. So hence people were fighting. In, I remember that the funniest thing I remember was being like, so I was around 10 years old, 11, and uh, watching the news and seeing ladies freaking out and <laughs> fighting over these dolls. And you know, ah, so it's like that movie, Jingle All the Way. Like Jingle All the Way with the action figure. Yeah, it was pretty close to Arnold that. With Arnold Schwarzenegger and poor young uh, Anakin Skywalker there. He's in there and so Sinbad, which was they're trying to find the action figure that nobody can find. So that was the other one there. And now another one, this was another one that again, just my friends and I freaked out over this movie. And um, was Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe. Now there's the mm -hmm. box. I love the graphics on these old toys as well. When I was a kid, just fantastic stuff. Now it was the articulation of the Castle Grayskull that piqued my interest and my friend's interest. It was the whole deal that you could also fold it up with a handle and take it anywhere you wanted to go. Now, the, another reason this was a big Christmas thing is because these are big gifts. These aren't the kind of things that you just would go out to the store and be like, hey, mom, can I have Castle Grayskull? It's like, oh, maybe for Christmas yeah. or maybe your birthday. So these were Christmas toys that people would freak out about. Um, the Cabbage Patch was more in the system, in the stores. And the these two, the Millennium Falcon and Castle Grayskull, was more of myself and my friends freaking out about them. And I did get this one for Christmas. There's another reason I picked this one is because I did end up getting this one. But I think I got this one for my birthday, I believe, if I remember correctly. But I remember a lot of kids wanting this my age for Christmas. The graphics, look at the graphics on the box. And everything, um, the Black Friday evolved from Cabbage Patch Kids Wars. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that, <laughs> that's probably where that started, right? Oh, yeah. From, like, from the Black Friday Wars. That's great. <laughs> that's funny, what yeah. an analogy. Cabbage Patch Kids all, dolls originate from Black Friday. <laughs> well, that's how they came up with Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, the, the, the Garbage Patch Kids. Or Garbage right. Patch Kids. Yeah. Okay, so those are my toys that I thought were... were so am I getting a little feedback off this on here? Okay, that's not interesting. 
that show. Okay. Okay, great. So those are my toys that I was looking at from this is a preview of what we're going to do next week when Brent comes back from his, from his trip there. We're going to bring up toys from the basement. We're going to have a lot of friends on for that show. I think Ashley's coming back for that show. It's next week and that's our final one. And then we're going to take over in this direction. So this is our pilot. I'm going to keep reminding you. <laughs> so stick with us. That's great. So that's our segment there on It Came From The Basement. Those are some toys that, uh, seeing that Christmas is coming up, some toys that I freaked out of over as a kid and the public, which is uh, some funny comments on the Cabbage Patch ones. I like that because mm-hmm. you forget about some of the things uh, that happened back then. And there's just other, there was a Walking Dead comment I wanted oh. to talk about. Uh, Glenn? Walking, walking goodness. Warriors, yeah, Warriors, great. No, it was about Negan. There you go. Yeah, yeah. stop watching after Negan killed Glenn. That was crazy, huh? I don't know um, who's. So, see, uh, which is asking this. Did you read the comic book? Because I read the comic book first, and I didn't even watch The Walking Dead for. You know, I watched it off the beginning, but I was always a comic book fan first, so I knew it was coming in the comic book before it happened in the show. I'm curious if you read the comic book first. When I watched it, I was. Uh, yeah, when they killed Glenn, they kept teasing they were going to kill Glenn as well. So I could talk about The Walking Dead forever. I really thought when it started, well, the comic book I thought when it started came out in a time when you needed something like that. You needed uh, more of a real life uh, superhero. And the best way to find that is to put somebody in an apocalypse, right? Uh, Brent Wayne Donnelly, you're my favorite host. Hey, <laughs> hey, did you eat the butterfly yet, Brent? <laughs> well, we did episodes, talk shows. Yeah, we, we did. We'll have to re-show them. So, what, yeah, the other thing we're going to do on the show here is I'm going to show a retro clip of myself at a Comic-Con doing interviews and stuff. <laughs> it's it's going to be pretty neat. So we'll show, maybe we could go back into some old Walking Dead stuff. That was something when Negan killed Glenn because I was all about the reality of people being killed like that. Uh, and I thought, I was more shocked that Abraham went down as well. I was expecting Glenn to die because of the comic book. And then the fact that Abraham went with him really blew my mind. That was, that was pretty wild. I wasn't happy 100% with the way Negan was played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I, I yeah. thought he was a little too... Oh, here's my other guy right there. <laughs> I thought Je- I thought he was a little too flippant with the Negan character. Um, a little too flippant. I, I, I like the way Negan in the comic book went from being flippant to being totally serious in the same sentence. He did that a lot more, which I thought was really scary in the book. In the book, and yeah, I thought Negan was even more scary in the comic book. Personally, there's a lot of things though that I enjoyed more in the comic book. But and the, well, the governor, yeah, was the governor was was a lot worse in the comic book. Yes. and it would be interesting to see if the governor and Negan ran into each other, who would have won between those two. But I, I enjoyed the show so much. Up to, I'm trying to think when I bailed on it. I think it was during the Negan Wars. There, it was just too long, and then I kind of came back in on the Whisperer Wars because I thought they were fantastically. Love the Whisper Wars, man. Even the comic book was great when all of a sudden, you know, whoa, that, that walker just talked. <laughs> Again, I, I love those what the fuck moments. And The Walking Dead used to have tons of what the fuck moments. Somebody would die just like that. It could be an epic death or it could just be they got bit in a swarm. It was it was something that I really enjoyed about that show. And that's another thing, the, the point I made, I believe, about the Marvel Studios movies is that you know who's if somebody dies, they're going to come back anyway. The Walking Dead, if they came back, they came back as a walker. And that was coming back as dead anyway. Uh, I thought that was a great way to go with The Walking Dead. And I think that's a big reason 
why it was so popular. And again, again, a big reason why The Boys is so popular because you're taking that that heartbeat of Marvel Studios, which is like this right now, and you're you're going like boom, 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 boom. You know, you're getting those those what the fuck moments that get you that get you jacked, which is really really rad. Um, so sorry, I get sidebar. Walking Dead, love The Walking Dead, love the what wolves. They were the wolves. Yeah, the wolves. I thought the wolves were pretty cool. I actually thought they were from neat. That was a good, that was a good trick. Because most of us thought that that was Negan's guys coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. So yeah, Beans, was... is, Beans is here. Hello, everybody. It's Beans. Don't clean your crotch, Beans. He's a good boy. That's Beans. I, I was wondering where he was. He usually always comes in here when I do the show. He likes to hang out. He's a very social cat. He just followed me home one day and we wanted him. So we kept him. So we wanted him which is great so that what was i talking oh so we have the sidebar on the walking dead so once we get the the studio show going i'm definitely going to do a walking dead show i think it's coming to the end of it i'm gonna have to study up on it a little bit um whoever was who went on the walking dead binge there for a minute thank you i like that i haven't talked about the walking dead in a long time but my wife and i used to do a show and we would post it right after the walking dead like we'd watch the walking dead and then we'd go in the kitchen with the lights and then we'd talk about it and upload it immediately. We are trying to beat everybody on getting our new show there. It was just so tiring. And we stopped enjoying the show. But we have a lot of those that we can show because I have uh, some retro shows I'm going to show at the end of every episode. Got a great one today for you guys. So well, we just did, came, come, it came from the basement. Now we're going to do something pretty cool. Pretty decent. Now, I really, really enjoy conspiracy theories. I'm one of those guys that loves a great conspiracy theory. Okay, so we're going to show our intro here, and what we're going to do is we're going to run into something that I like to call the Cult of Machete. Right, so let's play the intro. Good job, Lyons. Done by my producer and my wife, Lonnie. She put that together. Um, funny side note is the cat did not, as soon as the music started playing, Beans was out of here. He's like, that's creepy. I am gone. All right. So I love a good conspiracy theory. Now, I'm going to be doing these regularly. Something that I want everybody to note and to keep in mind is that I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm also not here to tell you that you're right. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to discuss conspiracy theories that I think are cool. If you have some suggestions, I'd love to dive into them because I'm getting to the point where I'm so far in conspiracy theories. I don't know if they're actually cool, if they're just new to me. Okay, so what I want to start with today, um, these are going to be, I'm going to do a lot of these short kind of ones. And if the folks want to dive into more of that more information, I'd love to dive into bigger, bigger chunks of this kind of stuff. They say this is the pilot, all right? So we're just, we're hitting this kind of quick. We appreciate you guys jumping along on board. Some great material here for micro content, as I'm told. I need micro content. See, I'm listening. Okay. The moon. Okay, I want to talk about the moon. There it is. What a beauty. Look at the moon. You can see the moon. We we are lucky enough to have one of our windows in the hallway positioned perfectly so the moon is like right in the middle of it. And that Sirius style. Sirius. Sirius star? Sirius star? 
the star cirrus that's almost a tongue twister okay and no i'm drinking gatorade they come right in the window there at night which is beautiful i think the moon's fascinating as we all know it uh, controls our tide it helps control the water keeping it on the planet we don't see both sides of the moon which is another thing that if you don't think about it you're like oh yeah we don't so as the pink floyd fans know the dark side of the moon which is, is the far side of them is what I would, I would prefer to call it the far side of the moon that we don't see is totally different than the side of the moon that we get to see as a matter of fact on the far side of the moon there's a crust that's <clears throat> excuse me 15 to 30 uh miles deep depending on where you are before you can even hit underneath so that there's no lava that's been flowing on the far side of the moon while on the side of the moon that we see the meteors will hit it they will crack open and lava will come up the other side there's such a crust that it's not going to come through so that's how different the side of the dark side the far side is from the side that we are privy to Again, the, the moon doesn't turn, it, it revolves, okay? We're in a, in a cosmic dance, as the Simpsons or uh, Leonard Nimoy would say. Now, I love the fact that we have been to the moon. I don't want to go into the conspiracies of the faking the moon landing and all that stuff. My basis on that is they went to the moon or we went to the moon and we thought about how to get there and get back but we didn't think about any video footage of how we would record it they probably bought brought top of the line video recorders and they didn't work on the moon so they got back and like holy crap we gotta show proof that we were there so Kubrick stepped in that's just my theory on that that's the one that i like the most um but i'm not going to get into that that's 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 old old stuff what i want to talk about is why we are not going to the moon or are we the conspiracy have are, are we still going there there's people that have found evidence as i give the air quotes that there are pipelines on that there are domes in craters on the moon that there are satellites on the moon. now there's a gentleman you can google this this guy's name i'll just gotta find it here because I, I didn't highlight anything but his name is scott c warring what a cool name scott c Warring. Now, if you want to Google that guy, he's a UFO hunter, but he has evidence that he says, and he's pictures here. Well, I believe we have some of the pictures here, Lonnie. And he says that they are building uh, inside craters, pipes, and through a, a NASA map of the moon from Arizona State, he found these kind of these, uh, these photographs that were made public that were erased from online or again taken away after they were released to the public he went right in and out and then found in these from the uh yeah taking that photo that's pretty wild like look at that i don't know it looks like a little spaceship it looks like a little spaceship or something folks it, it does right so or he, yeah, no, so he went to Arizona State where, where the NASA files were and where they had the best access to these kind of things. So, and this is what he found, that one. There's another one where it looks like something is in the moon. There's, as I say, there's tons more. I'm gonna scratch the surface on the moon and we're gonna see if we can get any more interest in this. Oh, and that's how we're gonna get there. <laughs> we're gonna get to the moon by all packing in my Millennium Falcon that's in the basement. We'll bring that up next week. And we'll all get in. We'll fly to the moon. So my, but no. So my thing is too is the, the difference in. So there's some evidence that we've had um, to the pro side that there are people on the moon. Now, as I say, there's so much more evidence of sailors. Like I've seen one with like pipelines. The thing is that if you did live on the moon because of the atmosphere, you would have to live underground, basically. 
right? You wouldn't be able to just walk the surface. You'd have to live underground, which I think would be pretty cool. The view that you see what they take photos from there of the earth, which I should have got a shot of that, is brilliant. Imagine waking up to that and looking down on earth. That would be fantastic. If they built underground, now why haven't they? I, I don't understand why they wouldn't. It, you would think that looking up to the moon there, it's like there's, and we're so greedy. You know, like why haven't we sent, or why haven't they sent more ships or more people to infiltrate the moon to maybe set a base there so it's closer to the next jump that's a lot of the questions that are being raised and i find that super interesting now some of the 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 thoughts of debunking this okay you can you can take that off of there if you like that's okay some of the thoughts on debunking this is just that the side of the moon that we're seeing is, is constantly being bombarded by rocks and debris and it's always changing we're seeing People are, there's a term for it. They're kind of seeing what they want to in these shadows on the moon. Now, this one gentleman here, Scott C. Warning, says that he's got these documents from NASA. These are actual photos from NASA that they don't want you to see. It's, he's not saying it's just something that he found. He's saying these are close-ups that NASA had. Now, why would NASA have these photos of these certain individual things that look like pipes, that look like satellites, that look like little spaceships on the moon if they weren't? trying, you know, if they weren't real, why would they take photos of them? Why would they even care? So that's his point on all that. Now debunking it, again, people have said that, it, you know, stuff like that is, is also constantly being bombarded by uh, surface material, by little meteorites, by storms, uh, rock debris. So it's changing by being hit, by being hit by the volcanoes coming up. And again, mentioning that when it does change, you're seeing shadows and the eye is, is seeing what it wants to see, familiar objects that it wants to see, like the pyramids, uh, on Mars being debunked, going in closer on that. Doors on Mars, I saw the one about the door on Mars. I look closer into that and when they turn the angle, it's just a shadow. It's not a door, it really doesn't go anywhere, uh, unfortunately, because sometimes you can, sometimes you can debunk these. Why are they not using the moon or are they? I don't know, I have nothing to debunk that with myself. The debunking is also saying that it costs too much money to get up there. But we've got a millionaire guy right now who's flying people into space. I, I just see my point of view. Yeah, there's a couple millionaires flying people into space. See, my point too is, I, is when I think of the greedy people that run the world, why haven't they taken advantage of the moon yet? Well, come on, they must have, right? You know, especially being a writer, my creative mind would really like to go to the fact that somebody lives on there. Like the human, the inhumans live on the far side. Of which is a really cool thing to think of. So, but, but thinking that they have, you'd have to live underground. If, if they had, so I'm asking my viewers out there, if they had it set up so you could live underground, you know, they had like a huge window, you could see out of, so you could see the earth in your own little deal, but not a lot of windows. You know, you'd have one great big It was all underground. Would you want to go out there and be the first people to try this, to try living on the moon, living on the far side, underneath that 30 mile crust or whatever it is where you're nice and safe, where nothing penetrates there. Uh, you know, it, you'd have all your amenities, the oxygen be pumped in or whatever, be underground, you know, you'd have to have doctors there, you'd have to have people, you know, starting a new society. So my question to you is, would you be interested in doing that? Now, would I? Hells yeah, I think that would be amazing. The cool thing about going to the moon that I think is great is that you can see it. 
you know what I mean? Like you're thinking about going way far, like where no man has been before. That is pretty scary thought. It is an adventurous, very, very, very cool thought. But if you really think of being stranded, that's nuts. The moon's not that far. If you really had to get back, you're probably good. Is, is my thought on that. So I'm just curious about my viewers if they would like, if they would take the first step and come with me and uh, and, and and start off on them. If it was already built for us and well equipped, I'm wondering if okay, So you guys think about that. That would be great. So the, then the, the other, so the dark side of it was that, nope, not from moi, couldn't do it. Okay, I, I understand that, I understand that. I'd have to have all my amenities. So I'd have to have a little greenhouse there and I could grow. And stuff like that. Yeah, no, I would go. Yeah, I respect that. Why? Why wouldn't you go? I'm curious. I would have to wait. You'd have to, to wait. So you, you, my, so my wife, wait. my wife says that she would wait because <laughs> it, I want them to work as the kinks. Okay, so for fear of it failing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, there's lots of yeah. reasons why you wouldn't go. There'd but I would the go eventually. That, that you couldn't have your family all there with you. Yeah. There could be the reason that you're not going to have all the amenities on this new place. Um, you're going to be underground. Yeah. So right. So that's no what. So. Sunshine. I would be more worried that, well, since my point is that you were pretty close to the moon and to Earth. So if anything seriously went wrong, we well, just jump back. back I could home. just jump back. <laughs> I could just yeah. fly back. No, but you could, they, you know, they, no, I know. you'd have like, it'd be like a, a, a trolley, shuttle. a shuttle going from, from the Earth to the moon. And I, well, it's weird that they haven't done that. And, and there's nobody, like the Apollo 17 was the last uh, aircraft that went around there. Really checked out the dark side of the moon there. And there's a, that's another one. If you, if you check that out, the uh, astronaut, the American astronaut, saw some cool things. I think China just threw a uh, ship out China just put a ship out there and they found some kind of jelly. It was a green kind of jelly. Now, uh, the positive people are saying that it's it's a form of water. It's something that was coming up from the ground. You know, this could be something. Alien something, whatever. <laughs> Other people are saying it's from when ships have landed there and debris has fallen off of their ship and sat there and this is what happens to it. Uh, okay. So that's that's the debunking side of that. Now, I don't know. Do you think that we're still heading up to the moon? Do you think we're secretly going there? Do you think they're out there? You know, they have stations out there so that, you know, the military can fly out there, do whatever they do out there. I would think they're the mining, they would want to mine the moon well, yeah, I heard to that. find some kind of uh, new kind of ore or new kind of... Uh, material to work with and then bring it back it just doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't be accessing it and using it one because it's cool and holy cow you get you might find a new resource two because these guys are mf and greedy right like you know what i mean so that's why it's kind of like mm, they're probably not doing it because it's expensive and you know maybe they haven't found anything on them. the other side it's like well, maybe they are doing it they're just not telling anybody because you know we, we thought ufos weren't real for years and you know back to uh when what was the first one there that i love so much no 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 the, the uh, ufo crashes oh um roswell so back to the roswell incident you know back to that that was real that was a ufo we've admitted now that that was real how many people felt like an idiot in those situations told they were crazy and were threatened not to talk about it and now here we are that it yep ufo is real especially that guy that was the deputy that had like Stuff yeah, right in front he of had him. everything right in front of him, and so so now we have established that UFOs are real. So that's incredible. So why have we not, or are we, still visiting the moon? All right, think about it. That is, uh, yeah. <laughs> they probably kept a secret. 
that's your yeah well see i don't know see that's the thing i don't know and i'm not here to judge like if somebody has some great links or some great thoughts on if we are going to the moon or if we're not going to the moon or why we are or why we're not um add them here live or add them to the youtube video below you know i'd love to hear about it because i want to do these every week the truman show the truman Show. because he was out from the moon the director Mm -hmm. he's up in the moon Maybe uh, that's what it wow, is. that's pretty cool. Moon. <laughs> the moon is just the moon's. All well, the other one is the moon's a satellite. It's hollow, and it is more of a space station, like in Star Wars. Wow, <laughs> like a Death Star. You could see. Here's the cool thing about the moon: is you could go forever about this thing if you really, really dive in. And it was, uh, uh, was it John Spears? Is that the, the gentleman's name? I believe on our show who really turned me on to this. He's a Spears oh, podcast, right? Yeah. Yes, um, he really turned me on to the different aspects. You know, you got to focus on things about these uh, these awesome events in our life. And the moon is one where if you really just tear apart certain things, there could be so much going on with it or could be nothing. So you take which road you think. But uh, do you think that they're visiting it still? Do you think we're visiting it still? Were we, were we warned not to? How cool is that? Wow. Oh, they, they told us, don't come back. All right. So there's my segment. <laughs> on uh those are my conspiracy theories and i'm calling that the cult of machete so if you'd like to join the cult of machete tune in every week and we will discuss this i'm not here to judge i'm not here to tell you right or wrong i would love to hear your experiences i have a fantastic experience about a ouija board involving a ouija board and my friends and whoa uh, it's real it's real i think i should probably do that one next i could i gotta get one of my friends on uh, paranormal we will do and I'm not afraid of ghosts I'm real I've mentioned this before I'm not afraid of ghosts this was scary this was not a, I don't this was not a ghost this was awesome Think, we lived in a ghost house we lived in a house okay so that's so. next next week we're going to do the paranormal on conspiracy theories my friends so please tune in next week for the segment of the show called Ultimate Shetty <laughs> where I'm going to be discussing paranormal activity and i'm going to be sharing one of my experiences of paranormal activity i'm going to hopefully i can get one of my friends on i might have to pre-tape and get him to you know agree or go along and, and help tell the story so you know that i'm not just pulling your leg this involved a ouija board and ouija boards are a ouija for me okay so that's the cult of machete <laughs> love that stuff the moon the moon yeah Hey Shelly, glowworm, almost put it in there. Almost put the glowworm in there. Because when that happened, and my parents who are watching will remember this, is that my cousins, uh, my late uncle George, peace, uh, and my cousin Nikki, younger, younger, his daughter, she wanted the glowworm and she was just little. And what she wanted, she got. And I remember he drove to the States to get the glowworm for my cousin Nikki, and uh, we all thought he was nuts. Oh my God, is he really gonna do it? Is he, we were all waiting to hear whether he, it was a snowstorm, right? Like, we were all waiting to hear. I wish I was younger, but I was I was interested too. Oh my God, really? 
we're all waiting to hear whether he made it on his adventure across the border and got the glow worm. Again, it, it was easier getting across the border back then than it is now, right? But um, he did it. He went out there for the glow worm. So thank for that one. Yeah, yeah, thank for that one, Shelly. I like that. That's great. Uh, so now we're going to head to another segment that I'm going to be having on the show. And this segment is called Movie Gems. We don't have anything far to it. I got deep done. Oh yeah, okay, so I'm gonna do deep dive, and but this is more movie gems, but it's deep dives on the movie. Sorry, we should just put it on. Right on. Okay, this is a movie that everybody should know, and if you don't, you gotta go back and watch it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a huge, huge fan of this movie and this director-writer. This movie is called Reservoir Dogs. It is directed, written by Quentin Tarantino. I can't believe, I can see a lot of times I forget that there's a younger generation that's tuning into our show. And I think movies like The Warriors, Reservoir Dogs, you know, movies like that, that people have all seen them and seen them many, many times. Uh, not so, not so. So the movie that I like to talk about today is Reservoir Dogs. Man. This movie is the actual show. This movie is great. Um, so let me give you a little bit of uh, background on it. The movies, uh, uh, it, again, I love these movies that don't have these huge plots to them. I made a point of that when we were discussing, I think it was The Simpsons we were discussing, how simple their plots were. I love to get inside the minds of writers uh, and, and such and creativity. Okay, here's, here's the plot of Reservoir Dogs. When a simple jewelry heist goes horribly wrong, they begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. There you go, man. There you go. There you go. Now, the things that set this movie off to me is the one thing is the wardrobe, but it's not like it spent a lot of money on it. This movie cost, I think it was like 1.5, yeah, 1.2 million dollars this movie cost Reservoir Dogs to make. It was, uh, the dialogue is totally cool for one thing in there. It's so rude though. It's so real. The thing that I like about Quentin Tarantino, he is pretty, he's, he's one of, he's as real as you're going to get in the mainstream. Uh, he uses a lot of derogatory phrases and words and terms that they are staples of the way the characters in his movies talk. It would be very strange if the characters did not use some of the offensive lingo that they use. In my opinion, he's making movies that are trying to be real. He's not trying to make, as he says, Marvel movies. Now, I love Marvel movies. I think they're great. And as I mentioned before, the heartbeat of a Marvel movie is like this. It's not like this anymore. Quentin Tarantino's movies are like that. Really, really enjoy the depth that he puts in his characters. And you find in this movie a bunch of guys in suits sitting around shooting the shit. Some of them are just talking about whether they like to tip the waitress or not. But you're hanging on every word by these guys. You, you want, and then you want to get to know them. You want to get to know them more. So instead of just throwing them in a situation where the movie carries on, and you see what they're talking about going to action, we fly back in time with each character and we get background on each character. One of the things that I liked was the little Easter eggs of Marvel in there, uh, the Silver Surfer behind Tim Roth and the reference to Ben Grimm, uh, the thing was Tim Roth again, which, which threw those, those references in there. You know, I love my Easter eggs and this was way, this was back. Did I say, I didn't say the year, this was 1992 that this movie was put out. Yeah, and, and 1.2 million, right? That's, that's that's nothing, that's nothing. Now, the other thing that I love about this movie is the actors. Again, you gotta, 
you get the right actors, they buy into the movie, and you've got gold. This is one of those situations where you got Harvey Keitel, and I think he actually funded the movie a bit. He helped make it possible, if I remember correctly. Harvey Keitel, <clears throat> brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant actor. And just his calmness and his roles that he plays when he needs to be snapping to the intensity is great. And his character, Mr. White, was was played to a T by Harvey Keitel. And you can't, these, these guys, you really can't see anybody else playing their role, which is what I love about what Tarantino does. Uh, Tim Roth in there, holy smokes, I'm not going to ruin any real details, just in case there are younger viewers who have not seen this. Tim Roth plays one of the other characters, and he was the one who's a bit of a younger guy on the scene, and he likes the comic books. He has the, yeah, fantastic for um, This is great. I'm going to get to this. There's Harvey Keitel pointing the gun down on another one of my favorites, Steve Buscemi, who's in the movie. Steve Buscemi is fantastic in the movie. Oh my God, another great actor. His dialogue, when he talks like this, like he's, he's like this, he's all skittish, you know, he's always going like this, like this. And it's perfect, man, he's panicking, they're wondering if there's a narc in the group, who's the narc? He's sure there's a narc, but they don't know what to do. They're scared, they're scared. Uh, this is fantastic, fantastic acting by him. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Pulls out a fantastic performance out of nowhere. I would never have thought Chris Penn would have been my first choice to be even in this movie or in a cult favorite that I love so much. Chris Penn is amazing in this movie. His uh, wardrobe, too, is different from everybody else's. He wears the tracksuit kind of mob guy thing, Italian kind of mob guy, and it's great. So he is the son, basically, of the head mob guy, the head mob boss. Mr. Nice Guy is what they call him. Now we've got Lawrence Tierney in there as well. Now he is the mob boss. He is the main guy. He's an older gentleman. He's probably the oldest guy in there. He's another famous actress or actor, and he just does a fantastic job. Fantastic. Also, all these actors buy in and are solid bank robbers slash hitmen. Um, Michael Madison again, fantastic. Now he he was wanted to Quentin Tarantino wanted Michael Madison for John Travolta's role in Pulp Fiction, which is which is pretty wild. Um, Travolta was a strong second choice. Tim Roth was Quentin Tarantino's first choice for Pulp Fiction, but the studio wanted him to get Johnny Depp instead of Tim Roth. That's another whole Pulp Fiction thing that I could go into, which I found really interesting. Picking the right people for the roles and getting them to buy in. So all these people, all these actors in uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Reservoir Dogs, bought into it amazing, amazingly. The film angle, the, the, the way, this is just his first film and how serious the tone is in this, at the same time, keeping that loose, new vibe to it of a young, new, up-and-coming uh, person who loves cinema, as he would say. I love the fact that when they do a, a good take, even if it's good, they're saying, we're going to do this again. Why? And the crowd yells, because we love making films. I think that's amazing. That's something you get behind. And I get that vibe from him. Totally get that. If we could see that shot again, line that you put up there of the two guys with the guns, thank you. Look at that. Now, as a as a, a person who draws comic books, who creates comic books, who creates art, that is beautiful. You, you, your eye, you start with Harvey Harvey Keitel and you go down to Steve Buscemi. It's just like boom, and then you go back and forth, eye back and forth. What a great frame that is right there, and the intensity in that scene. You know, they're who's 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 the narc? Who's the undercover agent in here? They're they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. But again, look at the demeanor of Harvey Keitel's character. And look at the demeanor of Steve Buscemi's character. And they play that. They're showing it right there by not doing anything. Just by standing there. There's their character. And I described it without before I showed this, right? It was like Harvey Keitel was just so calm and cool and so serious when he needed to be. Or Steve Buscemi's just like jumping around like a little squirrel. Oh my god. Ah, squirrel tactics, right? 
Okay, thanks. You can pull that down now. That's great. So the the ear scene as well with uh, Michael Madison when he when he uh, there. I'm not going to go into too more detail about that because I really don't want to ruin anybody who hasn't seen the ear scene. It was too hard. It was almost too hard for him to do. He had a really hard time doing it. I was reading quotes where he said, "Hey, I'm like a family guy here, man. I don't know what, what do you want me to do here. Like, really? The only thing that was." Uh, for sure going on in that scene was that Steeler's Wheel song. I don't know how I'll get there tonight. I got this feeling something ain't right. Yeah, so that was in there. And again, w way to pick a song and just make a scene. Holy cow. There's a part where the music's playing in the warehouse where the ear scene is happening. And our character, our character, uh, Michael Madison's character, Mr. Whatever Color, leaves and goes to his car. And the music's coming from the factory warehouse he just left. It fades out, goes to his car, opens the door. Music's still playing, kicks back in. Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. One take, right? Ah, oh, you gotta love the one take and you gotta appreciate the one take. Sometimes you don't realize it's one take. You don't realize why you love that scene. Uh, movie aficionados like myself or nerds like myself, that's, that's what it is. So it's kind of like pointing the guns at each other, showing their character just in their demeanor right so this this is a fantastic movie you know, this, to me this is a five-star movie if you have not seen this movie uh, and you're a fan of quentin tarantino holy crap if you have not seen any quentin tarantino movies and you're a youngling start with this one brilliant stuff um some other things that i thought were cool some sidebars with uh, reservoir dogs is that the jewelry that was law that was gonna that was stolen and was apparently taken by a cop or whatever happened with this jewelry in the Reservoir Dogs movie that they were stealing in the heist is in the in the case in Pulp Fiction. That was originally supposed to be the idea, the gold thing there, which which Quentin Tarantino has never said one way or another what was in that case. Is it by soul? Is it just jewelry? Or is it from the first heist? I like to think it's from the first heist because I love me some continuity, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay, so that should do it. If you can we just put up the Reservoir Dogs title one more time, please? Thank you so much. Okay, there it is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, if you haven't seen that yet, look how cool they look. And um, one thing that was changed, originally they were going to use the song Money by Pink Floyd. When it starts off and they slow down and they're introducing everybody instead of uh, Little Brown Bag. Uh, he heard that just, I guess, right before they went to film or do whatever. And he was like, no, it's got to be Little Brown Bag. Instead of money. So they switched it up there. So that's a, another lesser known fact. Hey, pop that out of there, my dear. Thank you very much. Righteous. Awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning in, my friends. This was the pilot for Live from Machete Studios. Next week, we'll be back. Brent will be back from his trip. And we're going to do our final episode for our whole Kids on the Escalator deal there, which should be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of special guests on there. We're going to do It Came From The Basement. I will bring up my Millennium Falcon, I promise you. And we'll see what other kind of toys people have from their childhood, which is always a fun thing to discuss because we love our toys. We love our toys. And if you like those paintings behind me, they're for sale. I did a Joker and a Batman. I should have brought them in, even though they're sold. They're on the way out tomorrow or Wednesday. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. So that's what we got going on there. And uh, issue number one, Skeletron second print is officially out, out to be printed. So. We're expecting that. We're keeping busy. But the uh, the new part that we've been working on, or I've been working on, is, oh, it's over here. Oh, over here. There it is. Canvas. There's a paintings on canvas of my favorite characters and yours. All right. Thanks for tuning in, my friends. What I want you to do for me is to party on and be excellent to each other. 
All right. Uh, the moon. Would you, are they still? Are we still? Are they? Are we? Are humans still going to the moon? Is somebody else on the moon? Would you go to the moon if they had it all worked out for you? I would. As long as I had a garden that I could grow my my medication, could grow my cannabis, I would go for sure. I, and you know what? It'd be a great chance for Lonnie. You could become vegetarian then. We just live off vegetables. Because <laughs> we'd have to slaughter our own animals. Yeah, I can't do it. You know I, would, I would maybe fish. Fish, there you go. Yeah, I could do fish for sure. Switch over to fish. fish. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not good with the whole killing of animals. <laughs> I could do. I could totally do fish for sure. I could. I could. Do so anyway, I would be. I would be totally in. Lonnie wouldn't be my wife. I'd have to go by myself, I guess, until things got a little more safer. So I would be out there. Anybody want to come with me? We're going to the moon. It's all worked out, but we got to live underground. So you let me know. Um, thanks for tuning in, uh, everybody. I appreciate it. I really do. I genuinely do. My name is Chris Machete, Chris Machete Cochran. You can find me on all kinds of things. Uh, we're going out on YouTube here, Machete Comics. And just like Google, put in Chris Machete or put in Machete Comics because I am on Twitter. I am on YouTube. I am on Instagram. I am on TikTok. I am on Facebook. And you can email me. And I have a website too, machetecomics.ca. <laughs> Yeah, machetecomics.ca. Um, I even have uh, a whatnot page that you can buy my artwork on. I have, uh, what's the other one we have? I have an Etsy page you can buy my artwork on. So basically, you know, Machete Comics is is becoming a really cool thing. It's, uh, well, it's maintaining my, my lifestyle of my mortgage and my bills. That's my, that's my lifestyle. Occasional beer, mortgage and bills, but it's maintaining it. And it's beautiful. Life is good, my friends. Life is good. I'm ready to go to the moon, though. I'm ready to go. Come with me. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, my friends. There's, there's all. If you want to follow me, just jump on all that stuff. Pop in there. I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty regular with my posts. Um, Brent, mission, my friend. We will talk to him next week. Uh, thanks for everybody for chatting and tuning in. Again, cheers, my friends. Party on. Be excellent to each other. Okay. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.